So for uh, almost 20 years, this woman, her name was uh, Sarah Hale, she wrote these letters, uh, actually it was to four different presidents over, over almost 20 years. Um, she was a, a magazine editor uh, in the 19th century. She was a woman, so it was pretty exceptional, that alone. Um, these letters, it was pretty much the same letter that she kept writing to each, each new president, and it was that uh, Thanksgiving be declared a national holiday. And uh, the letters continued to be ignored. Um, kind of no response at all. It's now 1863, and she writes to President Lincoln. Same letter, same request. And he says, yes. Um, he says, let's do this. Um, we need to do this, really. Um, and there had been different Thanksgiving celebrations before. Washington actually declared one um, when he was in office, when he was president. And then, and then subsequently, it was all kind of local, apparently. Different states had different sort of Thanksgiving-type celebrations, um, different dates. There was nothing really kind of unified. It was mostly in New England. It wasn't all of the states... Um, the irony, I guess, of, of this, this particular, uh, well, Lincoln saying yes after all the previous presidents pretty much ignored it was we're in the middle of the Civil War. Um, you know, the, the worst, the worst moments ever for our country. They say 600,000 men died during the Civil War. Um, like that's more than any of, our, any of our wars. World War II, we didn't lose that many Americans. It was the deadliest, bloodiest war as a nation we've ever experienced. And in the middle of it, this president says, let's thank God, you know, for all that we have, for all that we have. We're like, we're a nation at war with itself, and people are dying in like appalling ways and numbers. And you want to take a day and say, let's be grateful? You know, I think um, it's good to remember maybe this, because I think maybe we forget this. Pain and joy they can coexist. Um, fear and, and hope, they can live together. And in fact, they usually do. I mean, nobody's life is completely dark, and nobody's life is completely in the light. We go through moments where the darkness is absolutely more pronounced than where the, the hope and the joy seems to be winning. You know, we have good days and bad, but they do kind of live together. And maybe that, was what Lincoln, maybe that was Lincoln's point. Like, in the midst of this objective darkness, we need to see light. We need to recognize and feel, discover hope and meaning. And it was not about making something 
putting a positive spin on something that's dark. It wasn't that at all. It's just that light does exist, even in, even in the darkness. I remember the great story, I think I've mentioned it here, I, I love it, it's uh, John McCain, it's an interview he gave years ago, he was being asked about his experience as a POW in Vietnam, and he told the story about being in a cell, him and three other uh, Americans, and uh, I guess at a certain point during those years, he, uh, the, the Blue, Cro uh, Blue Cross was able to mail, uh, deliver these sort of kind of care packages to the prisoners, believe it or not, and the North Vietnamese would inspect them and then, and then generally allow the prisoners to, to get it. And it was like soap and t-shirt and very basic kind of things, I guess. At any rate, for sure they had these shirts. And uh, it, was a, it was a white t-shirt, you know, the Red Cross. It was a right, white t-shirt with the Red Cross on it. And what one of his cellmates did, his name was Mike Christian. He was a Navy sailor. He, uh, he took the shirt and he tore it into, well, tore it into pieces, but not in a rec reckless way. He intentionally tore it up and he made um, strips of white, strips of red from the shirt. And the uniforms they wore were these ragged, filthy, uh, blue uniforms, or at least the shirts they wore were blue, the prisoners. So what he did was he took the white and the red and he sewed it into the, the inside of his shirt. So he had this very primitive American flag um, that he made. And he kept it on inside, in the inside because if the, the Viet North Vietnamese had seen this, he you know, would be, and wouldn't be tolerated. Um, punishment would be crazy. Uh, well, eventually, oh, so what they, used, what they would do, Nick, uh, uh, McCain said was every night, I guess right before they would eat, before the food would be dropped off, whatever that looked like, um, they'd, he'd take the shirt off and hang it on a nail, and the four of them would recite the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, he said it was almost like a prayer. Um, anyway, one day it was found. They discovered the, the flag. And they knew it was this guy, it was his shirt. They dragged him out and they delivered him a wicked beating. Uh, and Nick McCain, I remember he said they deliberately did it within uh, close proximity to them in the cell. Uh, the North Vietnamese wanted the other three to hear what was the pain that was being inflicted on him. They, they beat him up, they busted his ribs and punctured his eardrum. And they threw him back in the cell. And uh, McCain said, um, it was terrible. He said it was just the, in a dark moment, it was the darkest. Like being imprisoned in this hellish place. Now, now this, the beating that this guy just endured, it was, it was becoming hopeless, he said. And he said they kind of, as best they could, the other three tried to care for his wounds. And they all went off to their four corners, and he said, and just closed their eyes. It was so overwhelmingly depressing. He said after a couple of minutes, he opened his eyes and he looked over to see how this guy was doing. And he was on his knees. And he had a, um, another one of those shirts. And he was ripping it up. And he was making another flag. Um, putting it into another shirt, I guess. And McCain just kind of said, man, in that moment, in this moment that had almost become without hope, 
there was now some hope. Like light does live with the dark. Sometimes it's very dark and very little light, but there's always some light. And maybe, that's what, maybe that's what Lincoln was getting at. Yeah, this is a tough time. These are very tough days, unlike any our nation had ever witnessed. But there's still reason for gratitude. We still need to be open to finding and experiencing God's grace in the midst of this difficulty. Um, a couple of months ago, I talked to a, I was uh, in town uh, going to get shopping, and I'm in the parking lot, and I saw a, a woman. Um, a woman said hello to me in the parking lot, and I, I didn't actually, I didn't know her, but you know, she said, "Hey, Father." I mean, she was parishioner, so we're talking for a little bit and just a little bit of small talk, and then uh, she told me she was a nurse and she was working in uh, one of the hospitals in Queens. This is in the middle of like the craziness of COVID, round one anyway, and um, so I started to ask her about it, and she started to cry. Her eyes filled up, and she just really started to cry and. She was describing how bad it was, uh, how overwhelmed they were, the way people were dying, the overflow nature of it. It was just, it was crazy. And, um, but then she said to me, so she, we're just kind of talking about it, and I'm like, I can't, I couldn't relate to anything she was saying. I mean, I, I did, I've witnessed nothing like that. So I was just kind of, I don't know, probably listening more than anything. And then she just said to me, uh, this has been the worst, but I've never been, I've never felt, been so proud to be a nurse. Like I've never felt so much kind of meaning and fulfillment in my life in this, in these worst months of her nursing career. It's like how this light and this dark coexist. You know, and hey, I think the the challenge for us is, to, is to, to push back on the dark and make room for the light. Get better at recognizing it and seeing it. And I called a, uh, a buddy of mine, a guy I grew up with in Floral Park. He, um, he, he had a very serious cancer diagnosis about, I think about two and a half years ago. And it was brutal. Um, real serious, uh, several kind of massive surgeries that were involved, um, and he's doing great. You know, he's beaten it, but it was, it was very tough. Uh, I mean, from a distance, I clearly didn't, couldn't grasp any of it, but just hearing about it. And uh, I called him, I called him a little while ago. I said, hey, I wanna talk a little bit about this light and dark thing, you know, and, and the, I told him about the Lincoln thing and like why, why in, the, in the midst of a civil war would a president say let's all get together and thank God like it seems backward it wouldn't make sense and I thought about my friend and I said listen I said what you went through I mean I've heard people say this but I haven't been there so like you know I'm going to say this and you tell me you know kind of does it make sense I said Mike like did you see any, any good come from your, your ordeal? Like, do you have kind of like a, a, a deeper appreciation for important things? Like, does that make se sense? And he, like, he, he interrupted me. He was like, 
Brian, yes. Like, definitely. Absolutely. Like, are you kidding? It was almost kind of what he was saying to me. Like, without question. He talked about his wife and his, and his sons and just how, you know, and he's always loved them. He's always been a great dad. He's always been a great husband. But just appreciation for them now in ways that probably not, exa- not as much before this terrible cross came his way and he just said about like days like today he said you know I've always he said I've always loved Thanksgiving loves eating and the games and you know just what we all do on Thanksgiving but he says like holidays now have like a just such a different meaning it's so much more crystal it's so much more kind of what they're supposed to be it's just it's like I think from this my friend it's like Thanksgiving happens all the time he lives out east, and, he's, and, he, and, he, and he says he, he goes for a, runs or he walks a couple of miles every day. And he says he's been running the same route for like eight years. But since getting better, he says like he just, he appreciates this, this walk. He sees things now that he never quite noticed or appreciated. And I think there is like, you know, I guess you kind of have to go through one of those. I guess you have to be a POW in order to know what it's like. And I guess you got to go through a, you know, a very, very frightening cancer scare to, to really know what it's like. And those of us who haven't, don't. But maybe the, maybe the purpose of today for all of us, whether we've, we've been down in those dark places or not, is to try to recognize God's grace in our lives in our midst, in the middle of a, of a civil war, to be able to say, yeah, but there is still much to be grateful for. We want this to end, but there's much to be grateful for. In the midst of this last rotten couple of months, we want this thing to end. But like that nurse, like God's grace broke through. So let his grace break through.